Over the last two decades, I've been in an insatiable quest to learn everything I can about leadership. What makes the best leaders so good? After running companies small and large over the last 20 years, today, I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo. I'm your host, and I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this very topic and what makes the best leader so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. Hey there, everyone. So I got a great guy on today. This is Erkung. And he founded a company, Jupiter One. The thing has taken off, like doing really, really well. So as an entrepreneur, as a leader, this guy speaks from great successful experience. And I love the stuff he was talking about. I just, I wrote a ton of notes um, and just really enjoyed our conversation. Um, Short, but powerful concepts that he shares that absolutely will help you lead your own life and other people and organizations more effectively. So enjoy. Here it is. All right. Welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I am John Larito, your host, and I've got a great guest today. I've got Erkong Jung, who is the CEO and founder of Jupiter One, based right around the corner from me. You're down the street in Cary, North Carolina, but welcome to the show, Erkong. Well, thank you, John. Yes, uh, I, I'm right next to you, practically, and I'm honored to be here. Well, it's a pleasure. And uh, I know Jupiter One is actually based, is it in Marsville? Is that where it's based? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's right next to the RDU airport. Terrific, terrific. Well, I'm a- anxious to talk leadership with you because you are an exceptional leader. You've accomplished a lot in a short period of time. I do want people the audience to understand a little bit about you and and what brings you to this point and then we'll talk leadership but why don't you explain a little bit about your journey with Jupiter One what you do and how you it's been a really relatively uh, big rise in a short period of time how it came about and how you got to where you are today yeah yeah thank you so um, a little bit about myself that leads into Jupiter One uh, I've been a cybersecurity practitioner former CISO uh, myself, right? See, so uh, chief information security officer in uh, organizations, and um, well, it, it didn't. I, I didn't get into that role um, right away, automatically, right? So, well, of course, I had to work myself up to that uh, level of positions. Uh, but long story short, and that enabled me to uh, firsthand experience a lot of challenges in cybersecurity, information security, and a lot of my own pain points led me to think of, is there a revolutionary way that we haven't thought about in approaching cybersecurity? And that's what Jupiter One uh, is. We build it as this foundation for new generations of cyber assets, cloud technology, and how do you manage and break through the noise in this increasingly complex landscape that we operate in today? Uh, It's all about understanding assets at a very granular level, almost like understanding DNAs of a human body, right? So understand that granular level of resources in, in a digital way for a digital company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what Jupiter One is. Excellent. And when did this come about? This was back, was it 2016? Uh, that was r- roughly 2018. 18. Okay, gotcha. And uh, I, I was the uh, CISO of another software company called Lifomic. And that was a healthcare software company. And uh, I built this internally for a lot of my own pain points. And prior to that, I was at Fidelity Investments and IBM Security for, for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and, and then uh, I had a uh, $19 million of a Series A in 2020 to spin out um, the, the company as, as Jupiter One. Uh, and then very quickly followed that, uh, received a $30 million of uh, Series B um, last year. Right? So that's uh, where we are right now. And we grew very quickly, right? As you mentioned, we were only 20-something people a year ago. And now we're over 100 people. That's amazing. Congrats. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to know, what's the process of raising capital? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have a great idea, uh, and, and it never gets past the idea phase. And even if it does and gets off the ground a little bit, to raise capital on that level of capital is certainly not an easy task by any means. Um, a couple of questions. One is, what, what, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Maybe a kind of the high level answer. But it was at that point when you started getting capital coming in, where you're like, okay, this, this thing is going to work. Or what point was it that you felt like, okay, this, this business yeah. is going to be successful? Yeah, I've, I've always believed that this is going to work, uh, even at the very beginning. Of course, there's a lot to the execution of it, right? Because the execution is so important. A lot of great ideas fail because of poor execution. But overall, I've always believed that it's gonna work uh, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, this is solving my own pain points as a practitioner. And I've, I've been through this many, many times and many, many years. So I know the technology is something that is much needed for organizations and folks like myself. And, and that's one. And second, I, I feel like I have over the years prepared myself to do this, right? So I, I didn't drop out of college and you know just uh, do a startup, but over the years, I have put myself into different roles at different companies from uh, you know, doing programming myself, right? And you know, doing consulting, leading global practices and leading large teams at large organizations, um, you know, have big P&L, so as all of those, you know, including marketing, sales, technical, right? So I've been in all these roles. So I feel very confident in my ability to execute. And that, of course, uh, I think reflected in the fundraising conversations, right? So investors got comfortable, uh, not just about the technology and the market, you know, there's a timing, of course, to it, right? So what, at what time you bring what technology to the market? But by and large, a lot of that trust from investors in that very early days are in the team, in the people. Uh, so I, I, I think I, that's that's what I bring to the table and, and that's that's where we are here, to, here today. So bringing, bringing up the topic of people and, and I'm a absolute believer that that, just like you said, that's the key ingredient. You have to have the right people. I think one of the things that leaders struggle with a lot of times is the concept of bringing people in that are smarter or better than them there's almost this ego block that they, they feel as though they're they don't they're going to be overrun or they feel like they just can't exist yeah. as the leader they can't effectively lead over people like that talk to us about that your perspective on it and how you handle that and what your perspective is on leading people that are better than you so to speak yeah i i, I very much believe that uh, uh as a players you should hire a players and uh, even A plus players that who are stronger, better, smarter than yourselves, and that's how you can have your team raise you up, rather than you have to constantly kind of pull them up, you know, along with you, right? So 
I, I think the challenge, which is a reasonable, I, I can relate. I mean, it's a reasonable concern or fear for most leaders slash managers to feel like, well, if I have people stronger than me, smarter than me, at one day they're going to replace me, right? So I think that is the that is the wrong mindset. Uh, there's a couple of things that I've always uh, did in my journey, my career. One is everywhere I go, um, I I want to make sure that I. I work, whether I'm an individual contributor or a leader of the organization or as founder of a startup to be passionate in what I do and love what I do. And um, and, and second uh, is to be able to inspire the people to feel the same. And, you know, because of that, right, so we can attract people who are stronger than you to also follow what you are doing. And, you know, so, so there's, there's a couple of things that, that we did, right? So I, um, I always try to reinvent myself in very different and dramatic ways and get out of my own comfort zone. And having very strong people on your team is fundamentally that, is for a leader to get out of your own comfort zone and be able to trust the people on your team, be able to empower the people on, on your team. Now, what is interesting, what is challenging or, or difficult to do is then how do you at the same time still have loyalty and still have respect for from your team, right? So if people think, oh, I'm better than you, how do they still respect you as a leader? How do they still follow you as a leader, right? So I think for me, that is, again, right? So you trust them, you empower them, but you also challenge them in different ways that they can be a better version of, them, of themselves. Mm, I love that. And and I think that's so key for leaders to understand that it's not it's not about trying to elevate yourself. It's about when you hire other people that are that are more talented, more skilled, they elevate you ultimately and you've got people there that can really take the organization to the level it needs to go. I've I've seen leaders yeah. when they struggle with this then they're capped. The organization will not grow any faster than they can themselves grow or that they can lead. Um, it's a very limiting belief set. That's right. That's right. And, and don't be afraid to work yourself out of a job. Uh, actually, I, I walk in with, uh, with every job that I've had with that mindset, right? So it's to say, well, can I work myself out of this job in a couple of years? So what that, what that then allows me to do is, of course, like what we said, right? one is to find stronger people on my team. And two is then I open myself up for greater opportunities. There's always something bigger, grander that you can do. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I love that concept. I mean, you think about that, that's so, that's so true. And that's most people are looking to protect themselves and protect their job and keep their job yeah. security. And what I hear you saying is, is treat it as though you are trying to work yourself out of your job. You're trying to hire people. If I'm understanding you right, you're trying to hire and develop people, a team that's so good that it's almost like you don't even need yourself. You don't even need your role anymore. Exactly. And it could be a combination of people, team, and it could also be technology that enables you to do that. Mm -hmm. And then that's frankly, um, 
part of why and how we built Jupyter One uh, as well, right? Is to enable me previously as the CISO to work myself out of the, the job. If I can have sufficient automation to handle a lot of those things that I need to do day to day or my team needs to do day to day, it will make our lives so much easier. And at the same time, you know, it's fine if, if that replaces us at one day. Mm, absolutely. Love it. Talk to us a little bit about comfort zones. I mean, there's a lot of people that might be listening saying, wow, you know, I hear, I hear what he's saying, but that's still so uncomfortable to me to hire or bring in people or try to lead a team that's that talented. Um, how, how do you handle comfort zones? How do you expand it? How do you, what do you do? I, I think I'll tell you some of my own personal stories, right? And, and I think comfort zone isn't just a leadership thing, or, or I, I should say that isn't just for people managers or people leaders, right? So everybody is a leader to your own scope or in your own uh, aspect for, for to some extent to the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, even the entry-level um, contributors, individual contributors as well. Sure. So like for me, and uh, I, I wasn't born in, in the US, I, I uh, migrated over in my high school days and uh, um, I, I was an introvert, you know, that's, that's my, my nature and English wasn't my first language. And, and all of those, and, you know, in my, in my first job, a lot of those are challenging just to uh, be part of the American culture and, you know, know how to communicate with people and things like that. It's just been, been challenging. But guess what? You know, my second job, I think this was either my second or third job, I said, I want to be a consultant. What does a consultant do? You talk to people. Right. And, and you, you provide advice, whether that is technical or business advice, right? You, you talk to people and, uh, and be a trusted advisor to mm-hmm. another person or an organization or and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that was me pushing myself out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. as an individual contributor. I wasn't managing anybody at a time. I wasn't leading a team at a time, but that allowed me to grow that side of the skills that allow me to grow my communication skills, that allow me to grow my you know, interpersonal skills and, um, and let me be a better communicator, presenter and all of those things at the same time, grow my technical skills. Mm. And then that allowed me to build teams and lead teams and lead global practices, right? So it's just one step at a time. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how important being uncomfortable is to success in general you know it's almost to the extent of if if you're not doing something that's making you uncomfortable every week you're really not growing you're not developing and if you're thinking about whether or not you should do something and one of the reasons you're thinking not to is because it is uncomfortable that may be the very reason you need (laughs) to do that you need to go you know go to that conference or you need to go have a conversation with that person or or take on that new role of responsibility that is so true. And that's often when opportunities are knocking on your door. And it's up to you whether you want to take it. Perfect. It beautifully said. And uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I know I know we're running short on time. There's so many things I want to ask you about and talk to you about. But first, before we do lose sight of time, where can people go if they want to learn more about Jupiter One? You've had a lot of success. Obviously, that's because you're providing great services out there. How do they find out about you? Where, where do they go? Yeah, it's easy. Go to jupiter1.com. That's jupiter the planet, O-N-E.com. 
and you can find out all about Jupiter One. Uh, you can also find me myself on LinkedIn. You just LinkedIn slash IAN slash Percom, my first name, pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jupiter One is on LinkedIn as well. So there's a lot of uh, places that you can find us. Excellent. Um, so last pieces of words of wisdom. You've got leaders that are listening to this that are in 66 different countries. They're all different phases. Some are like you were where they've got an idea that they're looking to take off the ground and build a company. Some are already running companies. As you consider yeah. the environment and everything that's going on, when you think about what the future looks like for leaders, what's a piece of advice that might help somebody position themselves to do better in the future than they're even doing right now? There's there's so much that we can talk about, but I'll, I'll uh, leave the, the listeners with, with one thing. And um, that is good leaders understand oftentimes the what and how, but great leaders understand the why. And it's the why that inspire people to follow you, to respect you, and to do great things together with you. I love it. I'm writing that down. Great leaders also understand the why and they help their people understand the why. It's easier to do the what when they know the why behind it, which is what exactly. I'm saying. I love it. Yeah. Well, my friend, this has been uh, very enlightening and uh, I, I wish we uh, certainly could keep going and maybe we'll we'll plan to do a part two or maybe I'll even have you here live in the studio. Well, that might even be a cool way to do a part two. Oh yeah, so that's a great that. idea. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's make that happen. I love it. Well, this has been uh, terrific and uh, I greatly appreciate have continued success, Kong and Jupiter One. Uh, and I greatly appreciate your advice and wisdom today and uh, joining us. Thank you, John. It's been fun having me on uh, um, being here on the show. Good. And thanks, everybody, for listening and tuning in. As always, like, subscribe, share. And I always appreciate your ideas for future guests as well as content. And as always, go down below, give a five-star review, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. For suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching, reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P dot com. Thanks. Lead on.